Hello everyone, Rory jumping in early just to let you know that after we recorded we decided to chuck this one into two parts just because of the length. So if uh, you're listening to this one on the day it was released, make sure you watch your feeds tomorrow for part two. That's a big hit, that's going all the way, Robert Sandals comes to the pick, that's on the roof. Jones, Barman, Kasprovich, the band to go. Welcome back to the podcast, it's going to be a very big one this week, previewing the WBBL. Uh, Once again, we're joined by Callum, Callum is here with a brand new haircut, how you doing? (laughs) I am. For those of you who who look at the audio medium, yes, I'm I'm a, a lot less hairy than I usually am. Um, don't worry, it'll be back within a month or so. But yeah, <laughs> about six inches taller as well. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So club cricket meant to be back this week. Well, over the weekend, a uh, bit of rain around in Canberra, as there has been for about nine months. So no cricket for me. But that that is what it is. Uh, the podcast obviously coming out a couple of days late. Um, you'll find out why that is a little bit later. Maybe a special guest popping in a little bit later. Uh, as I said, though, WBBL preview episode. We're going to go through every team, um, basically outline the whole competition and, and give you all the information you're going to need before it kicks off on uh, Thursday night. Um, as I said last week, though, make sure you leave a review, all that kind of stuff. We had one from a guy called Rick234. Not sure where the one went. He said the, the podcast, good to listen to uh, and... Good to hear different Australian perspectives. Make sure you leave it. I'll read it out every week for the uh, the reviews that people do listen. Let's get started, though. Jump onto the Sydney Sixers. They finished last uh, last season. You know, one of the biggest and, and best teams in the competition's history. But, you know, couldn't get it done last year. Um, won four of their first eight, but then, you know, fell off towards the end there. Just, yeah, not a great season at all. Really lost last six of their games. Yeah, what what was interesting about the Sixers is, um, yeah, they had that momentum starting the season. You know, you looked at it and you go, okay, yeah, they're going to be up the top again. You know, they're going to going to do do the best thing, um, as they usually do. But yeah, no, nah, um, there was just just that sense of um, if Sydney star players don't perform, and yeah. Sydney star players have been streaky over the last sort of 12, 18 months, then the whole team's not going to perform, and that was kind of kind of the case. They kind of got, I don't want to say found out, but kind of got you know it was proven that their their big players were human and as such that kind of um derailed their uh their season hopes yeah i think they're kind of the similar to the scorches and they really rely on like a couple of batters up the top for the sixes it's you know perry and and healy and then maybe gardener a little bit later down the order uh the scorches do the same you know up the top with moody and divine but for the Scorchers, it worked, and for the Sixers, it didn't. And I think that's that's kind of the story of their season last year. Uh, their overseas players always important to look at some of them. Uh, Susie Bates is obviously there, uh, you know, really good cricketer, but also a basketballer, which is uh, your other passion, Callum. Yep, yep. I'm big fan of Susie Bates. Um, no, she's a great cricket actually. Um, so it's great to have her have her for the uh, tournament. And um, yeah, she's going to be um pretty good, pretty good boost hopefully for the Sixers and their and their chances. Yeah, and the other the other big import uh, is Sophie Eccleston, number one bowler in the world. You know, twenty three years old, bowls that left arm spin that's uh, well, it's just really good. It's pretty quick as well, which is um, unusual in the women's game. I think she bowls probably about the same pace as Nathan Lyon does. So you know, and and turns the ball a long way. So a really good signing there for the Sixers, who 
are only allowed to have two overseas because they've got, you know, Perry and Gardiner and Healy and the rules around how many internationals you can have. Yeah, it's interesting there. You know, you look at all the squad lists and you see the Asterix players and you're like, wait, they're Australian. Oh, they're international Australians. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, I mean, if you're going to, you know, only have two international spots, they definitely filled them pretty well. They're two pretty, yes. pretty high profile kind of all-star sort of players. And um, yeah, um, I think it's a good, um, I think it's a good sign for WBBL to attract mm-hmm. Eccleston. Um, because, you know, if, if all the elite women's players want to come and play in the WBBL, then it will be looked at as like that, you know, that part of the women's cricket calendar kind of between internationals where they'll be like, oh yeah, this would be this cool domestic tournament. We should go watch that and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, they've done, they've done really well with their, um, their overseas pickups. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's made some of these players come over that haven't before is the prospect of that women's IPL at the start of next year. If you perform really well through this tournament, you're going to go for big money in, in whenever that auction comes in March or whatever. So there's a, a chance to make some really good cash here. Um, as I said, the, the Australian players, you know, the, those really key players, Elise Perry, Ash Gunner and Healy, uh, really key with the bat. Obviously, there's also some spots uh, up for grabs in the Australian T20 team. Elise Perry might come back in. Um, we're not sure how that's going to go. But I think if Elise Perry's going to push herself back into that team, she really needs to start scoring faster. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, we've, we've talked about it a few times. And yeah, look, her recent performances in WNCL haven't been all that encouraging in regards to scoring Corica, but, you know, it's kind of a different sort of game. Um, I think the thing with Elise Perry, she needs to prove that she can be a boundary hitter. She doesn't need to be yeah. a six hitter, but she just needs to be a consistent boundary hitter. And if that, you know, if that starts to come across and she has some like, you know, 40 off 22 kind of performances and that sort of thing, then that'll be, that'll be the encouraging sign. And that'll be kind of what, what these Australian selectors and the Australian T20 team will be looking at and hoping for from, from Perry. Absolutely. And I think we saw some of that in the hundred. I know we've highlighted a couple of times she came out and, you know, as you said, 30 off or 15 balls, or I think she made a 50 off 25, something like that. So she does have that ability. And, and as you said, you don't necessarily have to be able to hit sixes, uh, you know, finding gaps and that kind of thing is, is also going to work. And with the power surge coming into the competition this year, uh, the field will be up in the middle overs as well. So there's a, a plenty of opportunity for run scoring. That's, that's for sure. Uh, I want to have a look at the, the pace bowlers they've got though. So two key pace bowlers there, Stella Campbell, who's, you know, light and quick. We've seen it for Australia uh, a few times, kind of fallen out of favour for Darcy Brown uh, as of late, but, you know, he's still in and around that squad. And then the other one's Lauren Cheadle. Uh, she's only 23, played 11 games in the past, but left arm pace. And I'm, I'm of the belief that when there's a left arm pacer that comes into women's cricket and can, can bowl a good pace, they're really going to dominate because it's just something that's not really seen as of yet. It is a bit unusual, yeah, um, left-hand pace bowling in the women's game. And um, Lauren Cheadle's really good. Um, I've watched, like, little bits of, um, you know, her performances. Um, she's a young player. She gets good pace, as you mentioned. Um, she's she's able to vary her lengths, which you like to see in T20s. And, um, yeah, she's um, kind of the uh, one to watch in regards to the sixes. You know, you kind of look at all these teams and you go, okay, yeah, I've seen Perry. I've seen, you know, probably seen a fair bit of Campbell at this point as well. But, oh, I haven't seen that much of this this Cheadle person. She's gotten, you know, two for three for in the first game. Oh, what's going to going to happen there so you know it's um it's a it's a good player and a good good thing to to highlight and look at when looking ahead at the uh, season absolutely and as i said yeah the key to victory really you know healy and perry getting a good start at the top of the order 
uh, you know, Perry speeding things up as well, and probably Healy speeding things up a little bit as well. You know, she actually does have the power to clear the rope, and I think she really needs to, you know, try to do that as much as possible, especially early on. You know, only a four-hour pl- power play up the front. You want to be none for 40 after that power play. So I think, yeah, clearing the boundary is going to be important there. And then Ash Gardner, I think she'll be the power surge batter for the Sixers in kind of the same role uh, Dan Christian is for the Sixers. You know, comes in and, and just tries to blast the ball. If a wicket falls straight in, trying to clear the rope. I think that's probably the way they're going to win games. Um, their bowling is is good, uh, but I don't think it's, you know, it's not strikers level uh, bowling attack, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they win games, whether it's you know scoring really uh, quickly or can those two pace bowlers that we talked about you know blast through them or Sophie Eccleston, she could uh, she could quite easily take four or five wickets in a four over spell. Yep, yep. Um, Eccleston's certainly kind of an X factor in um, Sydney's team that didn't really have last year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they use her, especially early on. Um, because you know, I find with international players, it takes them it's well, not always, but sometimes it takes them a bit to acclimate to the to the league and to the conditions and that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how they decide to use um Sophie Eccleston. Yeah, I think Eccleston could also be used as a Aikendad down the order as well. She can she can bat a little bit, so that'll be interesting to see. Uh their first game though is against the Heat. That is to open the season in Mackay, and that's gonna be on Thursday night, an odd time to start the season, but that's how they've chosen to do it. Uh, to, to beat the Heat, it's really about combating the Heat's big batting, and we'll get onto that later. But, you know, the Harris sisters, um, even Georgia Redman at the top of the order, they're, they're um, a really formidable batting lineup. Yeah, they're, they're an impressive um, team, uh, Brisbane. And you, you look at them and you kind of, kind of think of them as this, as this big batting team, this kind of, I want to say offense-minded sort of team, you know, yeah. put a big score, put it out of reach, that sort of thing. Um, but you know, they've got they've got decent decent depth as well, and um, it's uh, going to be going to be a competitive game, and it'll be, I think it'll be very important for Sydney to. I mean, they don't even necessarily have to win, but they'll they'll want to be competitive if they want to um kind of you know get the get the bad taste out of their mouth of what happened last season. Yeah, absolutely. Also, going to be difficult, you know, home side in Queensland, that kind of thing, not going to be easy, but uh, there's always a chance. For me, where do I see them finishing the season? I, I think they struggle to make finals again. You know, we'll, we'll get to the other teams a little bit later, but, you know, the Strikers, the Heat, the Scorchers, they're all, all really good teams. And I just don't think the Sixers quite have the firepower to, you know, get past the big hitting teams or even, you know, the really good bowling sides. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I suppose kind of an analogy I draw here is um, what we've done with um so on edge of the crowd.com we did a bunch of nbl previews and um we kind of thought and a lot of um other kind of um you know sports websites and that sort of thing kind of disagreed but we thought that the perth wildcats would again struggle because they've shown that they can actually be beaten and as such they're going to try and adjust and they're going to over adjust and i think it's probably a similar similar situation with sydney yeah, absolutely. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, though. You know, this this competition is really is, you know, super close. Every team has Australian stars. So um, who knows what could happen? Why don't you take us through the Thunder, though, Callum? Yeah, sure. All right. So um, the Thunder last year, they also had a bit of a bit of bit of bit of an iffy season. So, you know, the big thing was inconsistency. Um, so, you know, they'd often have game, have um, periods where, you know, they win two games in a row. They look really, really good and they go and lose two or three games in a row and then they don't look so good. <laughs> Um, 
their um they're changing um kind of their overseas players so that'll be interesting to see how they transition and um Rachel Haynes they didn't have um for for last last season because um you know she she had a child and um she's obviously a hugely important player for uh for the Sydney Thunder and it's um it's it, it'll be a different looking season for the Thunder. I'm not sure if it'll be as successful, but it will definitely be different looking. Yeah, Haynes coming back is obviously massive. Also, her last season, though, obviously. So, uh, you know, after retiring, I think that was last week we talked about that. So maybe she want to go out with a bang and, you know, lift the trophy. I'm sure she'll want to do that. It's just a matter of if the team can do that. Um, as you said, like, you know, a couple of outs for the overseas players, bringing in different players as well. And we'll get into it a little bit later, but Hannah Darlington out of the most of the season, it looks like that's going to be a massive loss as well. So, yeah, as you said, inconsistency of the issue, right? You know, win a couple of games and then lose some. It's the kind of uh, kind of season that lose the gamblers a lot of money because you know they look good for a minute and then suddenly it's that money's all gone. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, that, that's that's suppose a risk you take if you're if you're if you're that kind of a sports viewer. Yes. Um, but anyways, um. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting that to see them this season. It'll be kind of kind of like a like a revamp, but also kind of a throwback because it'll be like sort of similar to WBBL six, where they had you know they had Haynes and Beaumont is coming back, so that brings on to the overseas players. Um, Tammy Beaumont's coming back. Um, she's got you know over a thousand WBBL runs. She's scored four half centuries. She's she's a great dynamic batsman and um, a really good. Um, good boost to the uh, to the thunder team where they really need kind of that that strength in the top order batting the other um all-rounder well they got two all-rounders because they don't have as many internationals as um sydney six as two other all-rounders not all-rounders the imports there you go um chloe tyron from south africa is all-rounder um bowls left left arm spin and um is a right hand batter which is always fun good to see a good good bit of reverse from the bowling and the hitting and um, yeah, she, she's a solid player. She had a um, good tournament in the hundred. Um, could be quite important in the middle middle overs for Sydney Thunder. I know you identified Ash Gardner as kind of that that power surge sort of hitter for the Sixes, and I think that's a similar role that Tyron's going to play. And um, yeah, it'll be good to good to see her come over and um, give it give it a good go. Um, and then they also have the uh, the experienced English wicketkeeper Amy Jones coming in, um, also solidifying kind of that middle order. But you know she's she's a good hitter. She's she's had a good hundred as well, and um, yeah, very very kind of dangerous and um, probably lesser known in Australia kind of imports. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform. And um, I think it definitely strengthens the uh, Thunder's batting lineup. Twenty nine years old, good strike rate, really good in the hundred. Uh, exciting stuff. Chloe Tryon also really good. You no know, strike rate of one forty in T Twenty I cricket. That's kind of as high as they get, that's like the upper limits of the best players in the world. So as you said, power search could be, could be vital there. And Tammy Beaumont, just absolute class, um, you know, over a thousand runs, as you said. So that means that she's been here for most of the WBBL and that was, you know, she's just part of it at this point. So it's like having, you know, one of your normal players back in the side, like it is for, you know, a Susie Bates or a Sophie Devine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yes, forgive me, Chloe Tyrum. Yes, that's the um, that's the name. I often get Tyron and Tyrum all confused. Ns and Ms are muddled. Anyways, um, so I guess the keys for the Thunder as they go along um, will be Rachel Haynes coming back and her final season. She'll want to make a big impression. She'll want to, you know, that big, you know, kind of kind of have have that big goodbye victory tour, that sort of thing. And um, yeah, that'll be that'll be kind of the ace 
the ace up the sleeve, the Thunder will be hoping. Um, having Haynes come back, they haven't haven't really bowled against her all that much. Obviously, you know, not in WBBL seven, and um, yeah, she's going to be a significant key. And then another key for the Thunder is going to be um, their their younger their younger kind of really exciting prospect, um, Phoebe Litchfield. Um, she's she's really solid batter, really young. Um, looks you know like the real deal in terms of poise and you know striking technique that sort of thing and yeah she um posted her first um wncl half century last week so she's coming off in a little bit of form and um she'll be she'll be looking to uh come have a breakout wbbl season and kind of show that there is there is the new generation of top order batsmen coming through the australian system yeah plenty of hype around litchfield and you know you watch those net sessions which the thunder or new south wales put out and she's definitely looks you know, one of the best up and coming uh, batters in the country. And hopefully, you know, she's, was she 18 or 19 now? Plenty of time to, to rise up still, but I wouldn't think she's too far away from the uh, Australian call up. And, you know, possibly with, uh, you know, Meg Lanning and Rachel Haynes out, there's a, there's a spot to fill there. We might see her in Australian colours uh, by the end of the year. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Really exciting, you know, b- batting prospect for Australia. Um, so yeah, you know, you obviously identify Litchfield as kind of a rising star, um, for the Thunder, you know, in regards to, you know, we were talking about kind of players you'd highlight as who would, who would kind of, you know, burst out, break out that kind of thing. But another one to look at is, um, Jessica Davison, um, who's, who's a young fast bowler, bowls pretty fast. And, um, you know, we, we know fast bowling in Australia can be really dangerous. And I think, um, she's, she's that kind of player who can have that big time kind of strike bowling impact. Yeah. Also bats a little bit as well. So uh, might be good for the power surge, you know, throw your bowlers up there and, and try to hit sixes. But yeah, there's a, there's a generation of fast bowlers coming in uh, now that, you know, women's cricket has finally been put on the stage. You know, people like Davidson or, you know, Darcy Brown, they were what, 11 or 12 when the BBL started. So at this point, you know, they've grown up with women's cricket on TV. Um, the pathways have been there and that's allowed bowlers to just get quicker and quicker. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the development system's getting better. You know, the women's game is developing more and more every year, and um, yeah, it's 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 huge. It's um, it's really good to see these young young bowlers coming up, and you know, these young players in general coming up and making an impact. And um, yeah, you're just gonna see gonna see more of it as it goes along. So um, the Thunder's kind of you know we identify what kind of the key to victory would be, and I suppose the uh. The key to victory for the Thunder will be be their batting. You know, a lot will be mainly be you know Haynes, um, Tryon, Beaumont. You know, they're, they're all going to be hugely important players, and they're going to be huge impact players. And I think yeah. you know, if batting first, putting up a big total, that'll be huge. Um, but also those players being able to have them, being able to chase. You know, thinking about the tosses, you often choose to bowl first. Um, so you know, those batters being able to perform depending on what the target is, you know, slightly inexperienced bowling lineup. It'll be, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. If you look through that squad list and there's not really any bowlers that, you know, stands out. There's some young up and comers as you highlighted there, Sammy Joe Johnson, bit of experience, but not really, um, you know, takes a couple of wickets every game, but I don't think she's going to, you know, blow away an opposition. And that's probably what the Thunder would need if they're going to win by bowling. So yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Just just bat and bat and bat and, and try to post massive scores. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for this season, you know, there's hope with with their new players, with their new look kind of, um, you know, restored Thunder team. But it seems like, you know, as you mentioned, the inexperience of the bowling, um, 
kind of, you know, being able to acclimate the batting lineup, it might take a bit of time and as such probably be difficult for them to, to qualify for the finals at this point, they might struggle a bit when it comes to the season. But like you said, with the sixes, you never know, maybe Haynes will come out and hit a century and we'll, we'll, we'll all be, uh, we'll be smiling. Yeah. I, I don't see Thunder doing well at all, to be honest with you. I think they're probably going to finish last this year. Um, you know, Haynes is a, a like a really class player, but, from what I've seen, if you retire, your mind's clearly on something else going forward. And are you 100% focused on the cricket? Um, she might be. But uh, in my experience of watching cricket, it just seems that, you know, once you retire, you're obviously, your mind's somewhere else and it's probably just better to just go. So, hey, we never know. But, yeah, I, I've got the thunder finishing last. Uh, we'll move on to the Hurricanes, though. An exciting squad. Um, I think, you know, Tasmania Cricket's doing really well at the moment. Uh, they finished six on the ladder, so just missed out on the finals. Um, you know, five wins and eight losses, so not a great season. Uh, th- lost three of their first five, but, you know, a three-game winning streak in the middle, pretty good effort. Uh, low scores, the obvious issue, you know, uh, and then relying on basically two batters. I know a lot of teams do this, but um, if you're not scoring quick enough for those two batters, then it's just not going to work. So Minion Dupree and Rachel Priest uh, both made more than 350. I think Mignon Dupree was something like 414 for the season. So, uh, you know, a really good effort, but just yeah, not quite enough batting around them to um, to to provide enough to, pro- uh, to provide enough wins. Uh, one of those wins though was against the Scorchers. If you're beating the Scorchers, there's obviously some talent around. Um, you know, the Strikers made the final and they couldn't even beat the Scorchers through the season. So, uh, I think there's definitely a base for the Hurricanes to build on there. Yeah, there's, there's something, there is an edge to them. There's kind of, you know, this, this element of when they're at their very best, they can definitely produce, you know, really good results and they can, you know, beat and compete with those really strong teams. As you mentioned, you know, beating the Scorchers, like you said, not everyone can do that. And they managed to do that last season. Um, I think the key with the Hurricanes, um, at least in respect to moving on to this season from the previous season, um, will be about consistency and consistency across the lineup, not just, you know, big performances, as you mentioned, from, from, you know, the international import players. There needs to be, you know, there needs to be an opener, at least one of the openers that needs to, you know, perform and play well. There needs to be a middle order, you know, a defined, you know, power surge kind of batter you know, the big, the big hitter and that sort of thing that needs to perform. And um, yeah, you just kind of, you know, you look, you look at, you look at the Hurricanes on paper and you think, yeah, there's definitely, definitely talent and definitely capability to, um, to be a high level team, but it's just inconsistency, kind of like the Thunder, but to a different sort of extent, it's, it's really like wild highs and then kind of very disappointing lows. Yeah, I think they got bowled out for under 100. I think it was four or five times through the season. And, you know, that's that's just not good enough. Um, there are overseas players, though. Lazelle Lee comes into the side. Um, obviously retired from international cricket. Uh, South Africa assumed she wasn't fit enough to play. Uh, but since retiring, she's been dominating around the world. So uh, South Africa were clearly wrong. Um, she also played some games for Tasmania. So uh, I'm not sure what's happening. They may be trying to qualify for Australia. We'll see what happens on that space. But, uh, yeah, really good batter. I think we'll probably open and uh, try to take advantage of that power play alongside Minion Dupree, who comes back, as I said, over 400 runs. Top 10 run scorers was absolute class last year. And then Haley Jensen is the other one that comes in, uh, replacing Izzy Wong, who was meant to move from the Thunder to the Hurricanes, but, you know, pulled out late. So we've gone to New Zealand to pick out another player. Um, 
you know, Haley Jensen, a solid player, not really uh, going to be anything spectacular, spectacular like an Izzy Wong would. You know, Wong might, um, you know, she could easily burst through a, a batting lineup with with that pace. But you know, Jensen will offer a little bit with a uh, with bat and ball, and as you said, might come in and be that power surge batter as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's disappointing not to see Wong actually, because you know you saw you saw you know she was signed quite early, and um, you know um, she gave a lot of interviews. She was quite excited to come over and that sort of thing, but you know just fell through. Um, but hey, it's a good opportunity for Haley Jensen, and you know yeah. if if she if she comes and performs, you know, kind of a similar role or to the similar extent that Izzy Wong can, then you know she'll be huge. She'll be a great import, and you know everyone will be like, oh wow, this is such a blessing and that sort of thing. <laughs> so you know. Um, yeah, they're really, really important, um, the international players for the Hurricanes. Um, like you mentioned, Dupree is back. Um, she's going to be huge if she's going to, you know, be one of those leading run scorers again. And, um, yeah, Lizelle Lee has kind of gone on a tour since um, since retiring and just just smashed it. And, um, yeah, she's um, maybe looking to follow in the path of Mornay Morkel of moving to Australia after your <laughs> international career is over. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's cool to see. And um, it'll, be, it'll be an interesting, uh, interesting group in the in the Hurricanes lineup. Yeah, hopefully Lizelle Lee's uh, career goes a little bit better than Mornay Morkwis did after moving to Australia. He was uh, not great in that big bash return. A um, couple of Aussie Aussie stars that are in there and key players. Uh, Elise Villani has completed her move to Tasmania, obviously plays her WNCL cricket there, but is now playing for the Hurricanes as well. And I think that's, you know, that's obviously a massive signing. Uh, really, you know, shores up that batting lineup that, as, as we said, last year had massive issues you know, around collapses and that kind of thing. So Villani will, will fix that. And then their bowlers, you know, Nicola Carey, Heather Graham, Molly Strano, all have international experience and we'll, we'll swing the ball around uh, quite a lot at the start of the game, I would thought. Yeah, for sure, for sure. They got they got a pretty nice um, bowling lineup. I mean, you know, some of those low totals you mentioned, um, they almost managed to defend because of how how solid their uh, their bowling is. So you know that's never really been the issue for the Hurricanes, and they're going to be looking to you know consolidate that and take that momentum through. And um, yeah, it's uh, having Villani is big. Um, I think it's a good move for both parties. You know, Villani shores up. Um, you know, the Hurricanes, the middle order, and that sort of thing. She's probably that designated middle order big hitter, that sort of thing. And um, it just seems like a better situation for her to be in. Um, I think she enjoys being kind of more of a senior player and a, and a guide and that sort of thing. And um, I think she'll have a good opportunity to do so in Hobart. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other one to make up the rest of that bowling lineup is Amy Smith, a 17-year-old leg spinner. Uh, obviously exciting to have leg spinners. I think every team has at least one of them at this point. So that's that's good to see. Uh, debuted three years ago when she was 14, if you could believe that. Uh, I was definitely not playing professional cricket at 14. Uh, although that's when I did peak. Um, so <laughs> she's going to have a massive season, though, I would have thought. Um, you know, big uh, big spinning leggies are always always good to watch. Yeah. I mean, you know, spin bowlers in T20 are always X factors, and it's always that little bit more exciting when it's a leg spinner because the action's a little more interesting to look at and they tend to turn it a little bit more. So, you know, yeah. it's... Um, it's uh, definitely good to see. And, um, you know, such a young player as well, you know, debuting at 14, you know, kind of, kind of almost, you know, coming, coming to the forefront at 17 years old is insane. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just going to be, it's going to be great to see. And um, yeah, I mean, Hurricanes are not, not normally would you talk about a team must see in terms of bowling, but the Hurricanes mm. must see in terms of bowling. Yeah. Speaking on these young people, there's some, you know, 22 or 23 year olds playing the WBBL that have been on lists since BB, uh, WBBL1. Like, it's, it's just incredible that you know, 
people start that young. Anyway, um, for the Hurricanes to win, I think big seasons from their international players. Mignon Dupree needs another 400-run season. Uh, Lizelle Lee needs to go hard at the top. And then uh, Villani a little bit later in the innings as well. I think, you know, that's really the key. Um, last year, only their top three batters averaged more than 15. So, you know, averages of 15 aren't going to win your tournaments, are they? So, uh, yeah, I think it's just, you know, they've got a decent bowling side, but it's really about, you know, putting the runs on the board. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's often the case in T20. You know, T20s are usually won through batting and um, that's what the Hurricanes will need to try and do. And um, they've made the right moves to try and do that. So, you know, it's it's encouraging. Absolutely. For me, they finish, you know, middle table, could slide into finals or could finish as far back as six or seven. It's it's once again on the batters. Hello, everyone. Rory jumping back in here to let you know that we're meant to have an interview with uh, the Hobart Hurricanes, Naomi Stallenberg. Unfortunately, that fire was corrupted, so we couldn't put it in. But I thought I'd bring you the quotes anyway, because uh, she deserves to be heard. And on COVID and training through a cold Tasmanian winter, she said that we are lucky in Tasmania. We weren't quite as affected by COVID as some other states. So that didn't affect our training all that much, uh, like it might have in Sydney or Melbourne. We have a marquee that allows us to train on turf wickets from about July, so even if it's cold or wet in Tassie, then we can get out in the middle and work on our skills. Uh, on the international players that the Hurricanes have coming in, she said, I was really looking forward to seeing Izzy Wong play, but we have a really good replacement in Hayley Jensen, who also bowls well, and he can hit the ball hard down the order as well. We have a really strong batting lineup this year with a lot of power. Lizelle Lee comes into the side, and she provides a lot of experience as well as big hitting, well, at least Villani will also be a key, as well as Mignon Dupree, who had a really good season and comes back for us now. On the DRS system coming in, she wasn't as, uh, as keen on that. She said, hopefully we can get more games, more games on live TV going forward. Uh, but 24 this year is really good. It's obviously good to have the DRS in the competition to eliminate some of the howls we saw last year. But having said that, I don't think we need to put too much emphasis on it. It is what it is, and we won't be focusing on it outside of the, the decision makers. And then finally, on the team overall and the batting lineup, she said, I'm not sure what the batting lineup's going to look like as of yet, but I really like batting in the middle order. And, and now that the power surge is coming into the competition, there's a chance to come in during that power play and score nice and quickly. We just need to stick to our plans, hit our KPIs, and we should be okay. We have a really good bowling lineup with Heather Graham, Nicola Carey, who bowl really well and accurate, as well as Molly Strano and young players like Amy Smith, as well, who I'm also looking forward to seeing. So that's what Naomi Stellenberg had to say about her team. All right, perfect. All right, so the next one on our on our list is the uh, Melbourne Stars, who are always uh, an intriguing prospect. Um, last season they finished fifth, um, and they missed out missed out on the finals. Um, unfortunately for them, they were they were just behind by three points. Um, so you know they'll have a point to prove. They'll have a chip on their shoulder and everything like that. And um, um, the year before that, they made the final. Um, so, you know, they're, they're another one of those up and down teams. That's kind of the theme of the first year that we've been talking about. And um, yeah, they, they struggled to make, to make big scores, um, which was interesting because they had, you know, pretty high profile batters. And you'd think, you know, with, with the level of international experience they had, that they'd have been able to, you know, put up big scores, insurmountable scores and that sort of thing. But they had some trouble last year. And, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting. Um, like you mentioned, Villani moving over to Hobart. It'll be interesting to see how they fill that gap and um, how they how they go about it. Yeah, there's there's two massive holes in that batting order, right, with with Villani moving and then Meg Lanning not playing. Um, like, it's going to be really tough for the Stars this year. And, I, 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 yeah, just really tough without their batters. Yeah, it is going to be tough without their batters. They've definitely picked up some pretty important overseas players, some very exciting ones. We talked about exciting young prospects. I don't think any exciting cricket prospect 
um, is any cricket prospect more exciting than Alice Capsey? And she's yeah. she's coming and she's going to be playing for the Melbourne Stars. And that's just a huge pickup. She, she's a good striker of the ball. She's an all-rounder. She's got she's got that kind of, you know, determination to win at all costs, as we saw in the 100. And, um, you know, she's going to gonna bring that winning mentality and that X factor to the... Uh, to the Melbourne Stars lineup, they're also picking up another dynamic young player in Jemima Rodriguez. Um, she's a very talented batter, um, great striker of the ball, um, really good fielder, which is often an underrated, um, underrated kind of trait in a lot of um, a lot of players. Um, so it'll be good to have kind of that big kind of infield influence. You know, you see you see it in some tournaments. You know, a, a run out can make all the difference, and um, you know Rodriguez is certainly a player that's capable of doing that sort of thing. And then they're also picking up um, Lauren Winfield Hill, who um, is an experienced English player, um, played 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 for England um, quite a lot. You know, just an England mainstay. You see it's here all the time, and um, you know, coming off pretty good form in the hundreds. So she'll be she'll be a good addition to that team as well, um, especially considering kind of the the shift the shift in the culture of the Melbourne Stars. Yeah, definitely a shift in the culture, that's for sure. If we remember back to I know WBBL and BBL different competitions, but BBL one uh, with obviously Shane Warner's captain, the stars, you know, they had Cameron White, George Bailey, uh, you know, Peter Hanscom and, and obviously Shane Warner and, and, you know, Matthew Wade, those kind of players. They really went in with uh, a team of stars, right? And the Melbourne stars this time around in the, in the WBBL don't have that. They're going to go in with a lot of young players, um, a lot of players that probably haven't quite shown their potential uh, as of yet. And, you know, they're going to give people opportunities and, uh, the experience of Lauren Winfield-Hill will be invaluable. But, you know, Jamima Rodriguez, exciting player, and Alice Capsey, those two are going to be two of the best in the world in, in five years' time. So um, just getting them in early, you know, keep them in the side and then have them for 10 years and, you know, plenty of uh, trophies down the road for the Stars, if that's the case. Yep, yep, they can hold on to them. Yeah, that'll be that'll be big. Um, you speak about key players and um, kind of young players not fulfilling potential. One young player that is certainly fulfilling their potential lately is Annabelle Sutherland, and um, she is going to be that that big key player. Um, she's an all rounder, but she's kind of you know showing that her batting's really where it's at, and um, she's she's going to be huge when it comes to key players and performers in terms of local players for the Melbourne Stars. Um, Annabelle Sutherland's going to be huge, and then. Yeah. Obviously, with Meg Lanning going along, there's a hole in the captaincy, there's a hole in leadership, and that hole's going to be filled by Nicole, Nicole Fulton. And that's going to be interesting. She's she's only 22 years old. Um, you know, you wrote recently about, you know, this this young new new captain, and um, she seems really eager to take on the role. And, um, you know, she's a really good wicketkeeper. And I think it's going to be going to be exciting to see um, see how she responds. And she's kind of kind of put into the role a bit unexpectedly. And um, you know, if she if she shows good good captaincy tendencies, um, and she happens to put in some good performances at the bat as well, then that will put her in in great stead as she goes along, and um, put the stars in great stead as well. Yeah, twenty two years old. Obviously, you know, Alyssa Healy's not going to be playing for Australia forever, so um, you know, good performances and that opens the door a little bit. Uh, I think she's she's her high score is like twenty with the bat in the dub, uh, in the WBBL so far. So it yeah, really hasn't fulfilled that potential as of yet. But, um, you know, given the captaincy, the, the coaches clearly see something in her. And uh, she made a half-century Victoria last week. So plenty, plenty to like there. Um, speaks really well. And, you know, obviously a, an unexpected selection. Um, I guess most people that don't focus on Australian domestic cricket probably wouldn't have heard of her. Um, you know, if, if you're just focusing on the national team, then 
yeah, probably haven't heard of it all, but there was there was no kind of standout uh, standout person for the Stars captaincy if they were going to go for the local player. Obviously, you know, could have gone Lauren Winfield Hill or or maybe even Sutherland um, if that's the way they wanted to go. If they wanted to go really young with Sutherland, but I think Fulton, uh, hearing her speak today, I think she's going to be really good. Yeah, it almost it almost sounded like they they discussed it for a while. There was always always kind of maybe Definitely. talk in the back rooms of. Um, you know, when when Meg takes a break or whatever, um, yep. Nicole's going to be who steps who steps up and who takes that role. Um, probably done a lot of junior captaincy as well, which um, can actually be be quite valuable um, in terms of you know being a young player and having to play that leadership role. Um, she, she seems to have a really good level head about her, which um, is very unusual for a wicketkeeper. So <laughs> that'll be that'll be that'll be um, you know a, a different kind of feel and absolutely. Um, yeah, she seems to have have a mind for the game, and I think it's a you know I think it's a good choice. I think it'll be it'll be good to see. Anyways, um, so those are two two key players, two young players, but another young player that we wanna wanna kind of have a look at and you know identify as you know our breakout star, the top edge breakout star, trademark that. Um, it's going to be Sophie Day. Um, Sophie Day will have to have to be that key bowler for the Melbourne Stars, um, and I think she's up for it. Um, you know, she she um, took uh, 15 wickets um, with an economy rate of less than seven, which is really good for T20, and um, she's got a decent strike rate as well. Um, carries herself well, um, and is kind of kind of you know when you look at the bowlers of the Melbourne Stars, that's the X factor. Sophie Day is the X factor, and that's going to be going to be kind of the key in regards to their kind of bowling success and the key in regards to, you know, their, their, their future, their future prospects as well. The, the big theme with the stars is their future. Absolutely. Bowls a little bit like Sophie Eccleston, um, you know, left arm relatively quick spin, uh, which I think is, is going to be really important, you know, a bowling average of 13 um, through 22 games of 2020 cricket. That's, that's really good stuff. Has taken a five for before as well. So has proven, that, you know, she can she can run through a lineup, which is also key if you want to, you know, only have to chase low totals and can bat a bit, you know, averages 20. So, yeah, really an all-round option there that I think the uh, the staff should be looking towards. Yeah, 100%. Really, really, lots of good young players, the stars. They're really exciting to watch. Um, so, anyway, when you when you think about kind of their, their paths to victory, their way to win... It's hard to hard to look at what they're going to do because there's no more Meg Lanning, there's no more Alyssa Villani. Who are their game winners? Their game winners are probably their overseas players. They're Alice Capsi and Jemima Rodriguez, and um, it'll be interesting to see how they perform. Obviously, they're kind of out of their environment in Australia, but you know, Capsi's shown she can perform at a big stage. Rodriguez has shown flashes of being a really, really good top order batsman, and um, you know, when you when when you look. At um, Winfield Hill as well, you know, with that experience and leadership, you got to think the bats need to be big, and the bats of the uh, of the foreign players need to be really particularly big, especially in like kind of some of the younger. You wouldn't call them lower profile, but less experienced players that you got got in the Melbourne Stars. They'll be huge, and um, with with an experienced bowling lineup led by Sophie Day, you know, it's going to be going to be key to bat well and bat with those you know those important spots of the international players. Absolutely, I wouldn't be surprised if they open with you know Rodriguez and Winfield Hill, and then have Caps in at three, um, and really try to shore up some runs at the top of the order and. 
you know, have those you know, lesser name players, whatever you want to call them, um, a little bit lower down and, and try to score runs at the end. But yeah, as you said, I hard to see them winning many games um, with a with a very young lineup, unless you know, there's there's every chance Sutherland has a, a incredible season with bat and ball, um, and then you know she leads the team to victory. But yeah, hard to do that for 14 games in a row. It is for sure. Yeah, there'll there'll be a lot of pressure on what's still a very young player uh, with Sutherland. And um, look, it, it's. It's hard to forecast Melbourne going anywhere near the finals at this point. Um, you know, they'll probably probably win a couple of games. They'll probably surprise some teams. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't see them really in contention. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Good side, but yeah, um, they'll come back better next year. I would have thought Lanning will be back. I'll- and that's where we'll wrap up the first part of this week's podcast. There's still about an hour and 10 minutes to go, so make sure you tune into the next part, whether that's uh, tomorrow if you're listening on the day this is released, or uh, it should still be in your feed if, you, if you're listening a couple of days later. So, yeah, make sure you have a listen to that one. It, it is really good, and it includes a little bit more than just the WBBL, also an interview with the Strikers head coach, Luke Williams. So one to, to really check out there. And, and while you're at it, make sure you leave the, the show a review. Follow us on social media at the Top Edge Podcast everywhere. Uh, if you have any suggestions for the show or uh, any ideas about the direction you want to see us go, uh, make sure you reach out and let us know. We're, we're absolutely open to hearing anything that you, uh, you have to have to say and have to offer to the show. But yeah, once again, make sure you check out part two uh, when that is released and in your feeds.